117 in our songbooks, 517. I am resolved. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I will hasten to him, hasten to glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to go to the Savior, leave me my sin and strife. He is the true one, he is the just one, he hath the words of life. I am resolved to follow the Savior, faithful and true each day. Heed what he saith, do what he willeth, he is the living way. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to enter the kingdom, leaving the paths of sin. Friends may oppose me, foes may beset me, still will I enter in. I will hasten, I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to Amen. Now let's turn to page 324. 324. It is glory just to walk with him. Amen. It is glory. It is glory just to walk with him whose blood has ransomed me. It is rapture for my soul each day. It is joy divine to feel me near wherever my path may be. Bless the Lord, it's glory all the way. Glory just to walk with him. It is glory just to walk with him. He will guide my steps aright through the veil and o'er the height. It is glory just to walk with him. It is glory when the shadows fall to know that he is near. Oh, what joy to simply trust and Skies above are clear, yes, with him it's glory all the way. It is glory just to walk with him. It is glory just to walk with him. He will guide my steps aright through the veil and o'er the height. It is glory just to walk with golden shore, never from his side again to stray. To be glory, wondrous glory, with the Savior evermore, everlasting glory all the way. It is glory just to walk with him. It is 
glory just to walk with him. He will guide my steps aright through the veil and o'er the height. It is glory just to walk with him. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again, we have the privilege of assembling together in your most precious name. Lord, we ask that you would give us grace to study your word, to learn from it, but most of all, to allow you to change who and what we are and the way we live. We ask that we would worship you this morning with a surrendered heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now let's turn to page 673. 673, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that'll be, amen? 673, when we all get to heaven. Let's sing this with joy. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. Let me hear you when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory while we walk the pilgrim pathway. Clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sign. When we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of Him in glory will the toils of life repay when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. Onward to the prize before us. Soon his beauty will be Soon the pearly gates will open. We shall shred the streets of gold when we all, when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. Amen. And let's sing one more song, 309, 309. Let's ask the Lord to fill our vision. Amen. Fill all my vision. Fill all my vision, Savior, I pray. Let me see only Jesus today. When through the Thou leadest me, give me thy glory and beauty to see. Fill all my vision, Savior divine, till with thy glory my spirit shall shine. Fill all my vision, that all may 
time we'll have the children 11 and under dismissed to the junior church. Fill all my vision, every desire, before thy glory my soul inspire, with thy perfection, thy holy love, running my pathway with life from above. Fill all my vision, Savior started several weeks ago on serving God, and we are just looking at the lives of individuals recorded in the New Testament, how they served God, and, and what transpired in their lives. Uh, the first week, we looked at a family. We looked at Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and how God used those three people to bring special glory to His name. Last Sunday morning, we spent our time looking at Andrew, and so it's very fitting, I believe anyway, that we'll just pick up wherever we left off last Sunday with Andrew and start talking about Peter today. Now, Peter is one of my favorite of the apostles, and it's not just because my name's Peter, but uh, I, I like Peter. Peter is so human. I mean, we look at Peter and we say that you know, he was born with a foot-shaped mouth. I mean, he just had it in there all the time, didn't he? I mean, Peter was going to do something, but if we'll stop, I mean, if I'll stop and look in the mirror, boy, uh, I see more I can identify with Peter because he was a guy that was always doing something wrong. Guilty, amen? I, I mean, we look and we see that, that Peter was definitely a real human being. Peter made mistakes, in fact... None of the apostles made the mistakes that Peter did. But as we'll go through the sermon, we'll find out that none of the apostles had the successes that Peter did either. And uh, if Peter is anything from the New Testament, he is a testimony to God's willingness to use anybody in his service. I might... Uh, steal a sermon from a 
uh, fellow I heard preach many years ago, he, he preached a sermon, if she can, you can. And he talked about the woman at the well. She served the Lord. And if she can serve the Lord, you can serve the Lord. Amen. And, and I just want to borrow that phrase. If, if Peter could be used of God, why can't we be used of God? I mean, that's what service is all about. Uh, we... We have what we call a service. You're here this morning. If you were here at, at 10.30, we have uh, what we call now, we're going to call it through the Bible because that's what we do. Uh, we use the term Sunday school and everybody thinks it's for the kids. Uh, and Sunday school, our, our 9.30 time, 10.30 time is not for children. It's for everybody. Uh, we want you to learn uh, the Bible. I found that most people... Most people, even that attend church, do not know the stories of the Bible. And if they do, it's a very superficial knowledge. It's not one that will do you any good. The reason those stories are in there is to help us live. And, and I mean, we're, we're working through Noah's flood. And you want answers to the uh, uh, evolutionist. Uh, that ought to be pronounced. You ought to put the word loony in there somewhere. Evolutionist or something. But I mean, that's what they are. Uh, because the more they keep trying to figure things out, the closer they get to what the Bible says. They said there had to be some terrible worldwide catastrophe that wiped out all the dinosaurs. The flood. Amen. I'm, I mean, we've got the answers. It's right here in this book called the Bible. Now, we're going to look at Peter. John chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 40. We're just going to pick up where Jesus meets Peter. Now, did Jesus know who Peter was? Oh, you betcha. It was Peter who needed to meet Jesus. Amen. And we're going to just start in verse 40 here. And one of the two which heard John speak followed, and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon... And saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Now, that is the first time we have Peter and Jesus meeting. We have them coming together and Peter doesn't know Jesus, he's never met him. But the first thing that, that Jesus said, he said, you're Simon, the son of Jonah. You're no longer going to be called Simon. You're going to be called Cephas. And uh, you say, well, why do we call him Peter? Well, Cephas is the Hebrew. Peter is the Greek. And uh, it's just the same name. It means a stone. And... Uh, uh, if you look it up in one of those name definition books, it will say, strong in character. Oh, doesn't that sound nice? Um, when my mother found out the meaning of the word Peter, she said, I, I think that refers to your head, son. And, uh, uh, but uh, I'll tell you, uh, God will use a hard head if you put it in the right direction. Amen. And uh, if you'll just let the Lord do the work, he'll get it done. And that's what Peter is a testimony to. We're going to go over to Matthew chapter 4. And Peter met Jesus. 
And in Matthew chapter 4, we find Peter, after he had met the Messiah, after he had met Jesus, he's back out fishing again. Now, Peter's going to have a problem with this fishing thing all his life long. Uh, I knew a preacher that had a boat, and he called it visitation, so that when people call up and he's out fishing, uh, they just say, well, he's out on visitation, and people thought he was visiting people when he was out visiting the fish in the bay. No, just a joke. I actually knew a pastor that had a boat named Visitation. His name's Charlie Horton, and when somebody accused him of being on the boat instead of being out seeing people, he sold the boat. And, uh, but uh, they've been telling that joke for years about him, and, and I'll tell you the truth. He, he sold the boat when somebody accused him of being out on the boat rather than being where he ought to be as a preacher. And, uh, but Peter, here, in verse 17, it says, From that time... Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother. Now we know this happened after the first story you read in John chapter 1 because Peter's already got the name Peter. Amen? Cephas. And so Jesus had changed his name and he, is, he says to them, it says, uh, they were casting the, a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw uh, other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed them. And Jesus went about Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. And it goes on to talk about the great multitudes from all over that followed Jesus. Now I'll tell you, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to just follow Jesus and listen to him preach and teach in the synagogues. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? And uh, I think we're going to have to talk to them about turning down the PA. Uh, but the thing that they did was they just followed him. They saw Jesus in John chapter 2. It says they were bidden to a, uh, a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and they saw Jesus take water. Fill, have the servants fill up the pitchers, take it to the governor, and when the governor of the feast, the man who was in charge, the MC we might call him today, uh, had tasted it, he said, uh, this is the best uh, grape juice. You said, it says wine in the Bible. Yes, but uh, we, we've gone through a whole series. We spent eight weeks, every Thursday night or, tw or 12 weeks, something like that, studying this issue, and we don't have time to repeat it this morning but uh, the God of heaven wouldn't make something rotten and despicable and bring about all the disease and the problems and the addiction that alcoholic beverage does. It's out of the character for Jesus to do such a thing. And you can call me a simpleton if you want, uh, but uh, I'll refer you to some of the greatest Bible scholars that ever lived who agree with what we just said right here. It is false teaching, just like evolution just like so many other things, just like modern versions, just like so many things that are passed around for truth today, Jesus 
did not drink liquor. He did not make anything that would cause you to sin because he's God. It's against his character. And if you need any more question than that, you see me afterwards and we'll dig through the tapes and see if we can find them and make copies for you and you can go home and listen to all the tapes on your own and, and study that thing out. But there's no positive use of alcohol in this book called the Bible. And uh, as Peter saw these miracles and Peter did all of the, followed Jesus around, we're going to skip over to Luke chapter 5 and we're going to find the next major meeting. And this is the turning point in, in Peter's life. Uh, we come here in, in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, or uh, the lake of Gal the Sea of Galilee, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now do you get what Simon was saying here? He said, Jesus, you're the teacher. I'm the fisherman. He said, uh, We've been fishing all night. That's when the best time to catch fish is. And we didn't catch anything. Jesus, there just aren't any fish out there. But since you're such a nice guy, uh, Jesus said, let down the nets. You'll notice that it says there, Peter, let down what? The net. I'm not dirty in all those nets for you. I mean, you're just a nice guy. That's a lot of work. I'm tired. I want to go home. And... Uh, Jesus had a few things Peter wasn't counting on. Look what it says. And when they had this done, verse 6, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships, so they began to sink. Now when Simon Peter, verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now here, we see a decision. Here, we see something change in Peter's life. He is now faced with something that he was not ready to handle. He was faced with the fact that this guy named Jesus was a great teacher. This guy named Jesus uh, uh, probably was the Messiah. Now there was no questions about it. He said, Jesus, you don't want me. I'm a sinful man. I just messed up. I, I'm out here fishing and I told you that, uh, that you didn't really know what you're talking about. He said, Peter made a decision here. He, he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He got, he got to the point to where he wasn't concerned about what was going on around him and what he thought he knew. He just knew one thing. There's something different about that man named Jesus. And Jesus said, Fear not. Verse, the end of verse 10. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to man, land, 
they forsook all and followed him. Now, let me tell you, they had the greatest catch in the history of Peter, Andrew, James, and John Fishing Company. Uh, this was their chance to reap the windfall profits and really, really make it in the fishing industry, get a little bit of money that would help them out and all of these things. You know, there's a lot of people that want to serve Christ once they get everything straightened out. My question has always been, how are you going to get everything straightened out first? You see, serving Christ is the key to getting everything straightened out. It is giving your life to God no matter what. By the way, uh, is Peter going to impress God by paying off his house and getting all of his bills in order and getting everything taken care of for the next ten years and saying, Now, Lord, I've gotten everything in order. I'm ready to serve you. God's not interested in that. He's interested in one thing. It's called surrender. And we have Peter on his knees looking at the Lord Jesus Christ saying, Depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O oh Lord. You, you got the wrong guy. And Jesus said, No, I don't. He says, Don't be afraid, Peter. He said, I've got a job for you. Now, we're not going to hear Peter fishing again with one exception. And we'll just tell the story very quickly here. As Peter uh, was serving the Lord as his disciple, uh, a man came to him, a tax collector, and said, Now, does the Lord pay, does Jesus pay taxes? And he said, Oh, yeah, he pays taxes. And uh, so Peter went to ask Jesus. He said, Listen, this guy's wanting taxes. And, and Jesus didn't even let Peter open his mouth. He said, Get a fishing pole and a hook and go throw it in the water and catch the first fish that takes a nibble. You're going to find money in the fish's mouth. Take that and go pay our taxes. Now, that's the only time you're going to see Peter fishing between Luke chapter 5 and John chapter 20. Because Peter was following Jesus. He forsook all. You know, it's hard to forsake all. We want to hold on to a few things. But you know, you don't have to be blessed with great intellect to forsake all. Amen? You don't have to be blessed with great physical endurance or, or some special talent to forsake all. And, and by the way, you don't need to have a lot of things to forsake all for Jesus Christ. All you got to do is give up what you have. In our discipleship, we spend a whole lesson on, on dealing with financial things and, and the simple question that, that we tried to bring forth over and over again. It has nothing to do with the things you have. It has everything to do with what things have you. If something has you, if you have some, something in your heart, something in your mind, something that you have set above God and above His plan for your life. Let me tell you something that's not going to fly with the Lord Jesus Christ. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. But it's only that way when you're pulling with Him. 
You ever get in a wrestling match with somebody who was just absolutely outclass you in every way? Weight, height, strength. I mean, it's, it's a pitiful thing. I was only in one of those. I, I didn't like that at all. I couldn't get out of the hold the guy had me in, no matter what I did. I didn't like that. Never let it happen again, but I, I didn't like that, I'll tell you. And sometimes we get ourselves into a situation where we're actually pulling against the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're trying to figure out why life is so hard and life is so miserable. Peter had the answer. He forsook all. And Peter had a really good understanding of what was going on. He finally realized that Jesus wasn't getting some great thing when he got Peter. He was getting nothing. Peter said, I'm a sinful man. He said, Lord, you don't want me. I'm a mess. I, I messed up everything, Lord. And Jesus said, you don't be afraid of that. You just follow me. So much of life's problems would be solved, dear friend, if you just forsook all and follow the Lord. Does that mean I go quit my job and not pay my bills? No, absolutely not. Now, if you're working at a bar as a bartender, you got some other dirty job, yeah, you ought to quit that job and find something else. Get an honest job, amen? Don't work helping other people sin. But there's a lot of honest work out here, amen? Uh, some of it, pretty tough. But it won't kill you. And if it does, you only go to heaven anyway, Amen? Now, Peter forsook all, and he followed Jesus. Now, I love this next story. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I only have about 4,000 favorite stories, but uh, uh, this has got to be one of them. Amen? Uh, I, uh, this is after the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus tells his disciples, you get in the boat... And you go to the other side. And Jesus goes up and he prays. Now, I want to put this in context, if you would, and, and you just have to be patient with me because I'm just going to quote a bunch of different verses from without giving you all the references. But they were at a very busy time. They had no convenience. The Bible says they had time. No, not even to eat. They were just working here and talking to people and helping everyone and everything was going which way. And on top of this, some messengers came to Jesus with the news of John the Baptist's death. Now, John the Baptist was murdered by wicked Herod and, and we're not going to go into all that story, but they came and they told the pitiful story of going down to the prison and picking up John's headless body and taking it out and putting it in a a tomb and trying to give him a decent burial. And here's the one, that Jesus, that was not only your cousin, he was the one that God sent before you to announce who you are to Israel. And, and all of the disciples, Andrew and Philip and Peter, and all of them had been to John's baptism. They had witnessed Jesus' baptism. He was a close friend. They just found out about his death. They were so busy they didn't have time to move. 
And Jesus said, let's go into a desert place and rest a while. And they ended up with the feeding of the 5,000. Boy, that sounds like my schedule last week. How about yours? I mean, just crammed full. And then Jesus puts them in a boat. It says he constrained them in verse 22. He made them get in this boat. And it's about the setting of the sun, 6, 7 o'clock, maybe 8 o'clock in the evening at this point. And they're rowing in that boat. And it says in the third watch, I'm sorry, the fourth watch, that's after 3 o'clock in the morning. Now, how many here have ever had to stay up all night? I mean, you, you've been up all day, you stay up all night, and you've got to keep going the next day. Anybody ever done that? That's not fun now, is it? I mean, you get seeing and hearing things and feeling things you didn't know a body could feel. I remember being so tired one time, I was driving down I-71 between Cleveland and in Mansfield, Ohio, and I thought I saw a steamship sail across the highway. I pulled over and took a nap. Uh, I said, this is not smart. Uh, I mean, and you say, Pastor, why are you telling us that stupid story? Well, they're going to see something right here about 4 o'clock in the morning. They're going to see somebody walking on the water. Now, how many of you like to be out in the boat? No street lights, no lamps. Dark night, stormy wind. You'd been rowing from 8 o'clock in the evening till 4 o'clock in the morning. And you'd only gotten about two and a half miles across the five-mile lake. And all of a sudden, uh, with the moon passing between the clouds or whatever kind of light, natural light was out there, you see the form of a man gliding across the water as if he were walking down the sidewalk right here in New York City. And you knew you hadn't been drinking, you hadn't been smoking, you hadn't been doing any of those things because you were following Jesus. Amen? You're sitting there going, I think I'm going to scream. And that's what they did. And it says, look in verse 26, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled and saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Now, real men do get afraid. Amen? It's a real stupid man that knows not to be afraid ever. I mean, when I see that bumper sticker or window sticker, it says, no fear. I just mark it down. There goes somebody that's really dumb. Uh, there are some things to be afraid of. And when you see somebody walking on the water in the middle of the night, two and a half miles from land, I, I think you're just doing very well to be very afraid of whatever that thing is out there. Amen. And uh, they begin to cry out in fear, but straightway, immediately, verse 27, Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Now this next verse here just totally confounds me. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou... Yeah, it does say that. Bid me to come unto thee on the water. Now, wait a minute. Did I just read that? Did you just read that? And you remember how tired and worn out Peter was? And here's the Lord Jesus walking on the water, and Peter said, Lord, if that's really you, I want to walk on the water too. 
And he said, come. Now, how many of you getting out of the boat? Hmm? Now, Philip was here. He'd raise his hand, but he's not old enough to understand what's going on. You know, that's the difference between childlike faith and, and weak faith. Little children, they just believe. When Andrew was little, I had him perfectly trained. I'd put him up on a table, and he'd walk right down that table and never miss a step right off the end. And I'd catch him every time. And, and people would always laugh when they'd see him do that. I'd say, come on, Andrew, and he'd just walk. And, and he wouldn't jump or anything. When he got to the edge, he'd just step right off and into Daddy's arms. And uh, praise God, Daddy never dropped him. And, uh, and it was really fun. I won't do that now, Andrew. You're too big. Um, I've tried to get some of the other ones to do it. Philip, when he gets to the end of the table, he stops, looks over the end, and then he'll jump. But he, he won't just walk off the end of the table. Peter got out of the boat. Does that make any sense at all to you? If it does, you need to see me after church because you've got more problems than you think. Amen? I mean... He said, Lord, if that's you, I want to walk on the water. You know why? I can't give you all the answers, but you see, Peter forsook all. He was following Jesus. And anything that was good enough for Jesus was good enough for Peter. Amen? He was willing to follow Jesus anywhere. Now, we all know what happened next, don't we? Do we? Well, let's, let's read the rest of the story. Just make sure. Verse 29, And he said, Come. And when Simon Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But, verse 30, When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. You know, we have a worship service here today. They worshiped Jesus. Peter said, I'm willing to walk on the water. And he didn't get very far. I don't know that Jesus ever intended for the disciples to walk on the water. But you know, if you just volunteer to do something for Jesus, he'll let you do it. Amen? And when you fail, he'll pick you up. And I don't think Jesus carried Peter into the boat. But I'll tell you, I think I could walk on the water holding Jesus' hand. Now, I'll tell you, I'd want to hold his hand first. I don't think I'd have enough faith to climb out of the boat in the middle of the night, two and a half miles from land. I just, that's just me. But that's why I wasn't in the boat. God wanted the Peter that would climb out of the boat in the middle of the night, two and a half miles from land. Because he wanted to show us something. God's capable of doing things with your life that is absolutely impossible to do except God intervened. 
and they walked back, and you know what the result of this whole thing was? They worshipped him. They said, of a truth, thou art the son of God. May I ask you a question? When is the last time somebody looked at your life and the things that you did through the power of Jesus Christ and says of a truth, Jesus is the Son of God because I've seen what he did in your life. That's what happened right here. And that's why God was willing to use Peter. But this didn't happen until Peter forsook all and just followed Jesus. Amen? And I'll tell you something, I would love to be able to do something like that where people be able to look at my life and say, of a truth, there is a God in heaven because of what He's done with that silly little preacher in New York City. But God is not a respecter of persons. He's not going to treat Simon Peter any different than He treats Pete Montoro, than He treats anybody that is in this auditorium this morning there are some of us that are carrying great burdens. There are some of us that are dealing with huge problems that we have no idea what's going to happen. Let me tell you something. And I'm sorry for saying I want to tell you something over and over again, but I, I do want to tell you something. You have to forsake all first. Then, when it comes time to get out of the boat, you'll be able to. You won't get out of the boat if you have to carry anything with you, my friend. You won't get out of the boat until you've forsaken all. Because only then you'll have enough trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that when He says, come, you'll be willing to step out of the boat. Now, before we exalt Peter, we know the worst thing Peter did. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. The Passover meal Jesus has instituted. His last supper. Judas has already left to betray him. Verse 36, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? By the way, let's just take a moment here. How many remember the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet? When he came to Peter, he said, Peter said, Lord, you're not washing my feet. You're my master. I want to wash your feet. Jesus said, listen, you don't understand what I'm doing right now. Just shut up and listen. And Peter said, well, if you want, need to wash my feet, give me a bath. I want it all. Jesus said, you don't need a bath. You've already forsook all. You've already followed me. You've already been saved, Peter. But your feet get dirty as you serve Christ. Your heart gets proud. You get thinking that you can do something you can't do. And you need to realize that the lowest job is not above the most elevated Christian. Amen? Jesus washed the disciples' feet. 
Now, that doesn't mean he wants us to have a foot washing service like some churches do. Because it doesn't mean what it did in those days. But he wants us to be willing to do the lowest and the most thankless jobs in his name. That's what Jesus was showing us. But see, Simon Peter thought he finally got a hold of this thing of being a follower of Jesus Christ. He was ready. I'm with you, Jesus, all the way. Where are you going? Look what it says. Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto you, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. And it goes on. Peter said, listen, I am going to follow you no matter what. And he did. When Jesus was arrested in the garden, he followed. He went right into the palace of the high priest and sat with the very men that arrested Jesus in the garden, one of whom he cut off his ear. Now, Peter didn't mean to cut off the guy's ear. He was trying for just a little bit lower and a little bit thicker, but it didn't work. And uh, Jesus healed that man's ear. And his cousin was sitting right there at the fire and said, And now wait a minute. Uh, Didn't I see you in the garden? You know, one of those crazy disciples cut off my cousin's ear and he looked an awful lot like you. Peter started getting afraid at that time. Jesus? Jesus who? They kept going on and somebody else came by. Hey, that's one of his disciples. Peter said, not me. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh, you got the wrong guy. They said, wait a minute, you're a Galilean. What are you doing in Jerusalem? If you're a Galilean, you had to be with Jesus. The Bible says Peter began to curse and to swear. You know what? Nobody asked Peter again after he started talking like that because Jesus' disciples don't talk like that. And Peter, the Bible tells us, I believe it's Luke's account, that as Jesus was passing from the house of Ananias to Caiaphas, he looked on Peter just as he had finished cursing a blue streak, saying he didn't know who Jesus was. It says Peter went out and wept bitterly. I don't know if you've ever heard a man cry, but I'll tell you, Real men do cry. And it'll rip your heart out. As people, as real men weep over their sins. Peter had to learn a lesson here. Without Christ, Peter was nothing. If he wasn't holding the hand, he was sinking. We come to John chapter 20. John chapter 21, I'm sorry. We had the resurrection. Jesus had told his disciples, he had talked to Peter that first Sunday. He had told his disciples a week later, 
on Sunday night. Uh, I want you to go into Galilee. I'm going to meet you there. And in verse 3, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. Now, I'm not sure here, but boy, it sounds almost like Peter is saying, well, I've messed up so bad that Jesus is not going to have me anymore. And uh, I guess there's nothing left to do but be a fisherman again. So he went to be in fishing. You know what? Peter didn't catch a thing. I wonder if he was saying to myself, man, I just lost my touch. I used to be able to catch fish here. I can't do it anymore. On about sunrise, they saw a stranger standing on the shore. And he calls out, children, have you any meat? No, there's no fish today. And he calls back, uh, where is it now? And uh, verse 6, And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Now I want you to notice something here. It says they were not able to draw the net. They weren't able to close the net up and get it into the boat because of the multitude of fish. It said their net didn't break, but later on we're going to find that Peter goes over there all by himself and grabs that net that everybody together couldn't drag up, and he drags it up by himself. He was not a weenie. He was, he was a man's man, as we might say. He could do the work. They talk about Robert Fulton here, and uh, the inventor of the steamship. Uh, there was a piece of steel that they were building the steamship, and they had four men on that thing, and they couldn't pick it up. And being impatient as he was, he looked at him and said, What's wrong with you, bunch of weaklings? And he picked that piece of steel up and carried it over and put it where it needed to be. And they got six or eight men there after he was gone and put it on the scale and found out that one piece of steel weighed over 600 pounds that he had picked up and carried all by himself. That's what Peter was doing. And uh, Jesus called them. They ate. We go through a very famous passage here where Jesus gives Peter, asks Peter three times, Simon Barjona, lovest thou me more than these? And I've heard many dissertations on this. I, I just tell you what I believe. Peter denied the Lord three times. Three times Jesus gave Peter an opportunity to affirm his love for the Lord. That's what was going on. Don't try to read anything else into this passage. Jesus is not going to lower his level of love to meet us in spite of what the Greek scholars say. Jesus is God and he loves us in spite of who we are. Amen. And he tells Peter again. I think Peter is, is having one of those moments. Uh, I think I've been here before. Luke chapter 5. They'd fished all night, hadn't caught anything. Jesus said, throw the net in. Peter let down one net. Only this time the net didn't break. The net broke the last time. They're eating those fish. And somebody took time to count them and found out there's 153 fish in the net. Uh, stop and add that up. That, that net was probably pretty close to being as heavy 
as a piece of steel that uh, Mr. Fulton picked up and carried around the shipyard in Brooklyn. I mean, there's a lot going on here. But look what it says down here in verse 20. Then Peter, turning about, seeth a disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, unto the, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to me? Thee, I'm sorry, follow thou me. Now, Peter got something straightened out this day. You say, how do you know? Well, Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 men got saved. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple and healed the lame man. Acts chapter 4 and verse 19. It was Peter and John that... It was Peter that stuck his face in the, in the high priest, the same people that had crucified Jesus Christ, humanly speaking, and said, should we obey God or should we obey you? Because there's a difference between the two. We can't obey God and you at the same time. It says they took notice of these ignorant and unlearned men that they had been with Jesus Christ. Now that's the story of Peter. Peter was the one that had the keys of the kingdom. Somebody told me, oh, Peter's the rock on which the church is built. No, 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 no. Jesus is the rock. You say, well, Peter's standing there at the gates deciding who gets into heaven and who doesn't, right? Wrong. Jesus makes that decision. Well, why did Peter get the keys? Well, he preached the first gospel message to the Jew on Pentecost. Door number one, Jew. Door number two, Acts chapter 10, he preached the first gospel message to the Gentile. By the way, if you're not a Jew and you're not a Gentile, you're not a human being. Amen? The doors have been opened. All you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you want God to use you, if you want to serve Him, you've got to forsake all. And that's a process. Peter didn't forsake all the first time he met Jesus. It took a couple of times, and the Lord had to manipulate some circumstances in there and put a little pressure on poor old Peter. And Peter's just getting down on his knees and saying, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Leave me alone. You don't want me. Jesus says, yes, I do. I want you. And Peter says, well, if you want me, I'll forsake all and I'll follow you. He got out of the boat in the middle of the night. Man, I love that story. It's one of those things I wish I had enough faith to try. But I want to hold Jesus' hand first time around. Amen? I think it'd be easier. But you know, the Lord is not going to put you in a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night and ask you to get out of the boat. But there might be something else just as scary for you. Because we all live individual lives. 
You know, we're all different places. I'll bet we have some people here this morning that are unsaved that have never trusted Jesus as their personal Savior. You need to meet Jesus. Salvation isn't in the church. It isn't in what you do. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. We have some people here today that have met Jesus and have put their faith and trust in Him, but they've not forsaken all. they still got a hold of some things. they still got some things they want to do with their lives. Maybe you're stuck in the boat and you're scared to death. Maybe you need to just ask the Lord to say, come and get out of the boat. Amen. Say, Pastor, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it doesn't have to make sense. I like my father-in-law's statement. Brother Marshall, he says, they say there's a fine line between faith and foolishness. I've just never found the line. Amen. I like that. There's always somebody going to stand around calling you an idiot or a fool for worshiping Christ and believing in Him. If that's what it is, give me more of it. But the Bible defines the fool as the one that said in his heart, there is no God. That's foolishness. My God's bigger than that. I'm just going to believe in Him. Amen? If He says, get out of the boat, I pray I'll have enough faith to get out of the boat. And by the way, do you know how you get faith? Get closer to Jesus. Amen? That's why you're so scared. You're in the boat. You're not close to Jesus. You need to get out of the boat to get close enough to Jesus to have the faith that God wants you to have. Amen? Maybe you're a little farther along in your relationship with Christ and you're one of those Christians that think you got it together and you're finally learning how to serve. You better be careful. Peter's greatest failure was because he trusted in Peter and not the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? There are many Christians that fail. And I promise you, you will fail in your life. It's part of being a human being. Because you've got to get past you. Maybe you're on the other side of the failure and you just feel like you can't do anything no matter what. Well, guess what? Jesus is still interested. He'll still give you a chance. Don't go back to the world. You can't go back where you were. Follow Jesus, and he'll use you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time today. And Lord, we thank you for this life of Peter, and we thank you that you were able to use it in such a spectacular way. We ask that you would do your work in the hearts and lives of us here this morning, and that we would find ourselves wherever we are in this message. And Lord, that we would pray and ask you to do your work, that you may be honored and glorified in us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Brother Franz, if you'd come. We're going to just sing 541. The song of invitation is only trust him. And that's all we're asking you to do today is just trust the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll solve the problems. He'll save your soul. He'll get you out of the boat. He'll forgive you and He'll use you. But you've got to trust Him. As we sing, would you come and spend some time at an old-fashioned altar and make those things right?
with the Lord Jesus Christ. As we sing. the time. Let's not wait. Let's make that decision for the Lord. God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If we could have our ushers come at this time and receive this morning's offering. God's people said, Amen. Amen. Um, I forgot who's the usher. Oh, George, you're the usher today. All right, would you pray? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to gather and worship in your presence today. We thank you, Lord, for your message. 
Um, just a couple of things uh, I hate to impose upon you like this but there are some very important issues um, as a church uh, we need to, to deal with and so I'm um, going to ask that uh, we're going to end the service in just about five minutes uh, this needs to be a closed meeting we'll just meet over here on this side uh, somewhat like we did last Sunday um, and if you're a member I would ask you to stay uh, the people who are watching the children in the nursery and in the children's church are, are going to continue doing that and um, uh, there's just um, some very important things we as a church uh, need to address and uh, so we'll do that uh, the, the everyone else just want to remind you uh, one of the things that haven't been very good on doing is just giving uh, men a, a schedule of what when we're working in different things uh, this week is a very critical week uh, praise the Lord all of the sheetrock is ready in the big room downstairs to be taped and we've got a crew of four men coming down from Montreal tomorrow to tape it for us but the tile guys coming Friday and uh, we've got a lot of work to get ready for the tile guy and so uh, Monday and Tuesday evenings this week from 7 p.m. till 10. Now, uh, Brother Shaw and I will probably be working uh, at least by noon on Monday because of business work for the church. And uh, Tuesday from 8.30 in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, those are the kind of hours we've been putting in to get these things done. And uh, so uh, if you have some free time that you'd be able to be with us and help us with this, and uh, depending on what we get done during the week, uh, men, we may have to call another work day on Saturday. I'll, I'll confirm that with you Thursday. And uh, ladies, uh, what we'd ask you to do is pray with a capital P, all right? Uh, if we can be ready for this tile guy, uh, uh, next Sunday the church will probably look as bad or worse than it ever has. Uh, because we're going to have to tear up all the carpet in the lobby. Uh, the bathrooms downstairs are going to be all torn up. The steps downstairs, uh, the lobby downstairs is already all torn up. You ought to see that. And um, But two weeks from now, when the tile guy leaves, if he gets it all in, you're going to be sitting here, we got a brand new church. And uh, that's what it's going to look like. So uh, be patient with our, our work. It's an ongoing thing. And uh, if you can help... Uh, we really uh, could use your help. Uh, members, also just put down your schedule. Two weeks from today, we'll be having a Lord's Supper meeting. Again, uh, we believe that's only for the members of a local church. And so that is a closed meeting to the members of the church. And that will be Sunday, March 12th at 5, 10 p.m. And so read your letters here. Uh, pray for the Ferrans in Sri Lanka. Read uh, there's there that country is on the verge of opening up a civil war that has raged in that country for 
um, oh, I guess the last 25 years. It's just been back and forth. It's been quiet for a while. Um, pray, pray for them. They are literally in danger. Uh, on a good note, the church planning conference uh, I was able to attend at Heartland Baptist Bible College in January of this year. Uh, 64 church planners presented their works, and uh, in four days, uh, we were able, to, our church had a little part in this, we were able to help raise over $76,000 from the churches in there for new churches being started in the United States of America. It, it's one of the most exciting meetings that uh, I go to. If I could only go to one meeting every year, this would be the one I would go to. And uh, if you want to go with us next year, let us know. We'll make arrangements. We'll take you with us. It, it will change your outlook on life. All right. Brother Franz, come and lead us. Member, members, five minutes, and we'll meet right here. And I will do my absolute best to keep it a very short meeting. All right. 705. Stand with me if you need the words. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then where'er you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth. Thank you for being with us.